Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Dave Dufour is here and we are going to talk about one thing. Of which there are many topics that we can discuss within that one thing, but it's trades. Today is December 15th. It is NBA trade kickoff day. There's trade deadline day. And realistically, while trades can be made ahead of December 15th, December 15th is the day where a wide swath of the NBA is opened up to be traded because it's the day that free agents that signed last offseason are eligible to be traded. So... I've brought on Dave. We're going to talk about some of the potential trade targets. We're going to kind of reset the board a little bit here and break down uh, just some of the more intriguing names, some of the more intriguing uh, potential moves on the market right now. Dave, before we get into that, you had something very, very important, near and dear to my heart that you wanted to talk about on the pod. Yeah, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I realized I had a hole in my cooking game. And, <laughs> and that that hole is... The size of a pizza. I did not have the ability to just have a go-to crust if I needed to make a pizza right. at home. Which, as a guy who I pride myself on my home cooking. Like, I, I'm a good home cook. Uh-huh. Uh, not being able to make pizza from scratch, that that's a glaring weakness. I, I've got a good sourdough recipe. And I actually, we, we talked about this, I decided to go ahead and just pull out all of my bread making stuff. I've got the sourdough starter going now. Because I, I'm committed to being able to make a good pizza dough, and I came to the master. When you asked me to do your <laughs> podcast, it was fortuitous timing, my friend, because I was about to text you to ask, hey, man, what am I doing wrong here? Why am I not getting enough air in this crust? And I think mm-hmm. I've solved it at this point. Number one, my yeast is not activated enough. Number two, my fermenting is going poorly because I'm not giving it enough time. I have to decide I'm going to make pizza before 3 o'clock in the afternoon if I want to eat it that night. So That's where I'm at. Yeah, you're talking to someone who does not really do pizza. Like, I, I don't... But you do bread. Yeah, I, mean, I you do... you do airy bread, right? Like, I do some think bread. About it. Yeah, like, I, I've like done focaccia? sourdough. I've done sourdough a couple of times. I'm not great at it either, to be honest. Like, I, I'm really not awesome at making okay, bread. Okay, so are it, you a cookie... Baking? Yeah, see, like because like, somebody do... tells me they're into baking, I just assume you're you can do it all. Like if I tell you I'm into cooking, and you're like, oh, okay, can you make a steak? Oh, no, 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 I'm good at everything but that. Like bread yeah. is baking. Look, like I can make a loaf of bread, but like for the most part, it's sweets. Like I'm really good with cookies. I'm really good with cakes. Uh, I'm really good with pies, tarts, like pastries. things of that nature. Pastries, desserts. Uh, so you're a dessert baker. Yeah, any sort of desserts, I'm really good with. Got to clarify here. This is like being a three and D wing. Yeah. And not playing defense. Oh, no. Like I, it, I'm sorry. You, you just... I'm a specialist for sure, baby. Like, that's <laughs> that's where it's at. Like, I'm a, uh, I'm trying to think, like, what, what would be the comparison here? Uh, I am, 
then uh, like P- Patrick Beverly, but like less scrappy in the kitchen. Uh, dun- you're more Duncan Robinson. You're, you're coming off screens. Yeah, I'm cookies, good with that. Right? I, yeah, like I can yeah. do that. Like, you know, Duncan can back cut. Like cookies are back cutting for me. But like for the most part, it's cakes and pies. Like I can okay. I can nail that like to a T. Uh, and Jimmy Butler is the baker man, right? Like he he definitely is like rolling them up, making dough. Oh, that's working inside, right? Like I, I mean, yeah. I, this yeah, is that guy is that guy is unbelievable. He's the yeah yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Do you watch Great Bitters Bake Off at all? No, 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 no. I don't. Oh. I, don't I don't really watch TV. You got to do. Uh, it. And I definitely don't like. I don't really watch reality TV. There's one show that I watch, and I didn't even. I'm bad about. Keeping up with stuff uh, that's not the NBA, and uh, it was it's alone. I don't know if you ever seen that show, yeah. Uh, but if yeah, uh-huh. like it's they send you they send like twelve people out into the middle of nowhere during the winter in Canada, and they just survive alone. <laughs> that show speaks to me. I love that show. You, you got to dive into Yellowstone, Dave. Like I feel nah, like see that's mm, your move. Nope, I don't think so, man. Because I just I don't know. I don't have. I don't know. I, I just don't really find myself getting into much. And uh, I, I could watch The Virginian if I really needed to, you know, like the old show. I could get yeah, on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, uh, well, here, I don't know. Don't watch a lot of TV. So I've never seen the, the Great British Bake Off. So you'll have to kind of describe it. I do understand it. It's supposed to be fun. It's just like the most lovely show that you will find. Uh, it's literally just like. 12 bakers competing against one another, but also being like the nicest people in the world to one another and like helping each other sometimes, despite the fact they're competing against each other, uh, because everyone just wants to have a really good attitude and be very positive when they're in this thing. It's actually just like a really lovely, enjoyable thing to have on in the background, as well as, uh, to watch obsessively like Laura and I do. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'll check out an episode of it. I, I don't, I doubt I'd like it, but you never know. I don't know. It's I, I watch things... a lot of uh, Jacques Pepin on YouTube. See, like I, so. I think that Bake Off is one of those things where if you just need to remind yourself that like humanity is very nice and like positive. This is a really good, it's a really good thing to like, kind of just be like, Hey, this is good. I enjoy this. I want, I watched Steph Curry for that. <laughs> That's a good call. Holy shit. Congrats to Steph Curry. He broke the NBA's all time. Three point makes record last night. Uh, what a, what a fun moment that was. We got Spike Lee diving in the background. We got Pete Davidson going nuts courtside. Uh, what a Hang beautiful on. moment. Was Pete Davidson the second biggest celebrity there? I don't know. Pete Davidson's definitely a thing now. There's no way he was the second biggest celebrity there. The thing is, though, that like they caught Pete Davidson in the background celebrating right when Steph okay. made it. Like there's a good photo okay. of him. He's in this pink hoodie and with his blonde hair, he's just like going nuts. It, it was pretty good. Okay. Um, so there was a photo that stood out to you. It wasn't like you were like, here's the list of celebrities. And you had them <laughs> and that was your ranking. Because I was going to, uh, first of all, I'd be like, what the hell, New York? Come on. You can do better than that. No, I'm, I mean, sure, I'm imagine, sure there were more famous people there. I didn't imagine, see like, I don't know, uh, 1994 playoffs, Bulls, <laughs> Knicks, and it's like Dana Carvey's in the building. Nobody, no, come on, man. <laughs> Let's move to basketball now that we've talked <laughs> about this. Uh, one thing that we just want to hit on real quick is that Danny Ainge is now running the Utah Jazz. He has been named the president of basketball operations and the alternate governor. This is, 
I don't this think is, this is a surprise to people around the league because he's been like within the organization for a little while. And he and Ryan Smith are the owner of the Utah Jazz uh, slash governor of the Utah Jazz are, are very close, apparently. So I, I don't think people are stunned by this move, but it, it's it, it's definitely a choice to, to go down this road, I think. I mean, there were rumors that a more official position was in the works over the summer. Yeah. But I, I kind of thought once they did the special advisor thing and, and you know, it seemed like, you know, Justin Zanuck was going to continue to make the decisions, but just with Danny yeah. Ainge's input, I didn't expect a change. And it's just a little bit weird that it would happen now. Like, it's not like the Jazz are stumbling. I mean, and not that these things are often tied to performance or anything like that, because even bringing Danny in as a consultant didn't make a lot of sense after the best season that the Jazz have had since Carl Malone and John Stockton were playing there. So I, I don't, I didn't get it then. Uh, I don't really get it now. This alternate governor thing actually is very interesting to me. And I'll need to look into the mechanics on this and probably make a call to Larry Kuhn and just try to figure out, <laughs> Hey, like, what what does this mean? Uh, the truth of the matter is it does now seem like Danny Ainge is going to be the decision maker. Like this is not even yeah. de facto. If he's the alternate governor, that is the guy who's signing off on anything. Right. So that's interesting. And that's yeah. all I can say right now. But it is interesting. And the other part of this that's interesting is the Justin Zanuck part. Justin Zanuck uh, has been one of the – uh, better executives in the NBA for a while now. And it is strange to me now that he has essentially been passed over twice by smart organizations. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, hired John Horst over him after giving him the interim general manager tag, if I remember correctly, uh, during their transition away from John Hammond. And then uh, now the Utah Jazz, after Dennis Lindsay left, uh, last year have decided to not give Justin Zanuck this job uh, and give it to Danny Ainge instead. Justin Zanuck is one of the most well-respected general managers in the NBA. If I was any team, look, I, I don't know if Justin Zanuck wants to leave Utah. I, I don't know if he has any interest in doing this. Like this does not come from a place of reporting, but if I was another organization and I had a potential opening at the general manager slash president of basketball operations position. I don't think there's a better candidate who could potentially be on the market than Justin Zanuck because, I mean, look, he played a significant role in building the Utah Jazz, who are what the best regular season team of the last two years now, uh, potentially yeah. three years, uh, depending on how this season goes. So I just. I'm I, I I think that's the part of it that surprises me most is I, that we're now we're now in a place where Justin Zanuck has been pushed down to the number two level again. Potentially, right? Like there there's another scenario here where this is just rich billionaire too busy to handle the day to day stuff when when you actually have to. And Danny Ainge. All right. So you're the owner now. I, I don't know – again, for us that understand the mechanics of it, we get it. that Danny Ainge is now basically the boss. Like he is running the whole thing. But I wonder if 
on their side, the intention is something a little less than that. If if you catch in my drift, like where essentially this is, he is the proxy for ownership and not so much on the basketball ops. Now, certainly ownership still has to sign off on all this stuff, but I wonder if if it's more of a of I'm, that than anything else. Like Danny is o- maybe only going to be on the back end. Now, that's what I'm saying. This is the intention. I'm I'm guessing out loud here because literally I just found out about this right before we started recording. Yeah, but I mean Tony Jones there is, is reporting. A scenario. Tony Jones is reporting that he's the CEO of basketball operations. Like, I mean, that sounds like he's going to be the GM, basically, yeah, <laughs> or well, whatever yeah, the hell I mean, that is, because the titles are ne- who they're nebulous. Yeah, that that feels like Danny's the guy in charge, and yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm I'm not surprised. I, I guess that Danny Ainge is back in basketball. Uh, I am surprised that the Jazz have decided to pass over Justin Zanuck. Uh, in order to give Danny Ainge this job. We will see how that plays out moving forward. But there is one like random and let's maybe transition into talking trades now because there is one random move that I've been thinking about for a little while now that I kind of wonder if it makes sense, especially now that Danny Ainge is running the Utah Jazz. I've been thinking about how Utah needs another high-level perimeter defender. And I've been wondering if Marcus Smart makes sense there. And I wonder if a Marcus Smart for Joe Ingles in a first-round pick deal makes sense for them. And, And I wonder if it makes sense for Boston. Because Boston needs someone that can come in and be a shooter and a ball mover. Uh, on offense, because that is where Boston is struggling right now. They need someone who can come in, who can be an unselfish player and who can hit 40% of his threes and who can run some secondary ball screens next to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Joe Ingles can do that stuff. I kind of wonder if he would be a more effective piece for them than Marcus Smart is right now, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, Joe Ingles is a free agent at the end of the season, and he is... Uh, you know, a little bit older. I believe he's 34 at this point. But Marcus Smart on the other side, he actually really does fill a need for Utah. Utah does not really need play initiation uh, and, and like the secondary play that Joe Ingles brings. They have more than enough shooting with guys like Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Jordan Clarkson. Like they're they're fine in that front. They can actually make it work with Marcus Smart in a pretty significant way, I think. I wonder if, you know, look, the Utah Jazz's first round pick is not going to be particularly high. Like, I don't think that it's a substantial investment for them. They would get to have Marcus Smart uh, on this extension. Look, maybe the extension might not totally work for them because they think that uh, they need to cut salary with some of these extensions that they have Uh, kicking in next year and some of the long-term money they already have on the books. But I I think Marcus Smart really helps Utah. I think Joe Ingles would actually really help the Celtics. I think the Celtics just need a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, ball movement and unselfishness on the team. Not to say that Marcus Smart is a selfish player. I think that Joe Ingles would just really help on that front. And then on top of it, I think that the best move for the Celtics, and we'll talk about this. Maybe we'll talk about this in a minute. I'll, I'll give you the floor, Dave, on this idea. 
I mean, I, I definitely see the Marcus Smart fit in Utah. The Ingles fit, I don't know. I mean, it, a lot of the stuff you said is true. But the other part is 34 years old. And, like, Utah is already managing his minutes. I mean, he was gassed in the playoffs quite yeah. a bit last year. Um, I, I just don't know if, I mean, if your Boston does it move the needle enough. And, it, like you mentioned, that first-round pick, eh, I mean, it's a second-round pick, basically. Um, yeah. Not to say that there's no value or utility in having those late, you know, those picks in the 20s. We're seeing that there are not really any bums in the league, right? So you can pick up a guy who can play for you right. in the 20s. I, this is this is a different world we live in. So there is a little bit of value there. But I just think Marcus Smart, plain, plain and simple, is a guy who should get you more than Joe Ingles than a late first-round pick. I, I think you should be able to, if not get a, a – a young player who's got more more potential. Right. And and I don't think Boston's looking that way, although they certainly could because it's not like yeah. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are old. So let me if they, if if Boston wanted to keep the powder dry, so to speak, and think about the next couple of years, right? Where Marcus Smart is likely not a long term piece here. The, his salary is going to be too easy to move. Like he's one of the things that they're going to be able to trade. Yeah. Uh, I and I, as much as Brad Steven, Stevens loves him. I think that ultimately you're, they're going to be forced to. And I, I get that's why you come up with Joe Ingles and Marcus Smart. But I wonder if they couldn't, you know, find a team that is a, a contender that has something better than Joe Ingles. But that trade works for Utah for sure because it gives them the ability to to play Conley or Donovan Mitchell depending on matchups down the stretch. Uh, you also could play all three of those guys. And Marcus Smart is a willing shooter. Mm-hmm. Which which matters in Utah quite a bit. Like he's gonna love jacking up those early shot clock threes in transition. He'll he'll <laughs> fit in very well there. And I actually think he's a better ball mover than he gets credit for. It's just that yeah. the role that they're asking him to play in Boston is not the one that he can play. But in Utah, he would fit in perfectly. I mean, imagine him catching the ball in the wing in semi transition, going up to shoot because you know he wants to shoot it. So the defense yeah. is coming and finding the. Royce O'Neal in the corner for an open three. Like we can see it. it. He would fit right in. Uh, and defensively, we know what he brings. That would give them – like if Utah could get Marcus Smart, I would say that's a conference finals team because that's the guy that they're missing is a, a guy you can put at the point of attack to make things hard on him. I mean, Rudy Gobert's lift is so extreme in the playoffs that he gets blamed for everything because of it. But Marcus Smart would be enough, I think, that that I could put them over one of – I could see them winning over Phoenix or Golden State in, in a series. So here, right? Like it'd be, it'd be a toss-up. Whereas right now, I for sure am saying Phoenix and Golden State win. So here is my pitch on why I think that if I was Boston, this makes sense. If they move that Marcus Smart deal – they actually have like a pretty real pathway to a similar amount of cap space to what the Bulls had this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think that more than anything, what Boston needs to do is they need to create flexibility this summer to be able to reshape almost the entire roster outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are fine. Like, It is the craziest thing in the world to me that people are bringing up Jalen Brown as a potential trade target. The Boston Celtics, every team in the league 
Every single team in the NBA is looking for a two-way wing who can create shots, who can knock down threes, who can defend at a damn near all-defense level. Every team is looking for one of those guys that's 25 years old and under. The Celtics have two of them. It is such a ridiculous competitive advantage for them moving forward. Just given point guards are not the most difficult thing to find on the market. The Celtics have not done that well yet, but you can find them. Centers are available. Like you're not going to have a problem finding a center in the NBA. The fact that they have two elite level wings, those are the hardest things to find in the NBA. You can build around them. The Celtics have not done a great job of building around them thus far. Like, looking back, to me, the guy that would have made the most sense in the world for them was like Alex Caruso, right? They should have signed someone like that this past offseason. They had the mechanics to do it. It would have been pretty easy. That guy makes more sense than, for instance, Dennis Schroeder on this roster, right? So, to me, what, if what I'm was Boston, Boston thinking? Like, who did because they wound up with with Dennis Schroeder, right? Like, right. It's not like they were like, oh, we got to get Dennis, and it's not like a terrible long term deal. Like, it, it's a one year no, deal. No, it's they fine. Get out of it. It's going to be fine, right? They may move him at the deadline. Just kind of finish the whole process, right? Yeah. If you're Boston, though. You actually have a pretty real... If you move Marcus Smart for an expiring contract like a Joe Ingles, right? You actually have a pretty real pathway to real flexibility this summer. You can do something like not pick up the Al Horford... What, what is it? I think it's like $13 million guaranteed, something like that. You create <laughs> yeah. $13 million of cap space that way. You create the $17 million of cap space that you get by not having Marcus Smart on the roster for next season. Uh, I personally think that it would be pretty easy to move some of their younger players. Like if they wanted to move that Romeo Langford deal off of the books for a second round pick or something, I think a lot of teams would probably be pretty interested in taking a flyer on him. It's actually pretty easy for them to get to a point where they have real flexibility going into this off season with basically like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams as like the three guys that they're building around and then keep a couple of young guys on the roster as well. If I'm them, I'm trying to do that because I think that this season for Boston, look, they're not good enough to win a title, right? Like we, we just strongly believe that right, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. They're not winning a title this year. I I mean, they're a playing team. Maybe. Yeah. Like, you know, they're somewhere between the six and the eight seed. Yeah, maybe the five exactly. and the eight seed, right? Right. If they so, sneak if they if they get the five seed, they snuck there. Totally. So you're in that ballpark, right? You and I both believe that just because of the ridiculous advantage they have of having Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that their aims should be higher. I kind of think that this season does not matter for Boston. The season that matters is next season, because that's when Jalen Brown has two years left on his deal going into next season. They need to start proving starting next season to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that they're building something sustainable that they can actually build around them long term. Now, I I think that there is a world also where 
I wonder if they could be like the third team in a deal for Ben Simmons and end up with Ben Simmons, right? Like that gets complicated and I don't know how you would necessarily do it salary wise. Like it would have to involve Al Horford going somewhere else. And then like, it almost have to involve uh, maybe we'll pitch the Ben Simmons Celtics deal later. Cause I have an idea. Someone, someone asked me about Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. And I was like, why would Boston give up Jalen Brown? No, I have a... People are crazy, man. Yeah, no, I would much rather have Jalen Brown than Ben Simmons. I have yeah. a weird three-team trade that I think could actually make some sense for everyone. Is Oklahoma City in it? No, it involves Portland. Um, but we'll talk about that when we move to Ben Simmons here. And we'll talk about Ben in a minute okay. here um, when, as we kind of move through this. But if you're Boston, you need to start proving to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum starting next season, I think that you can build a championship contender. The best way for them to do that, I think is to clear out everything on the roster outside of Robert Williams next to those guys and try to build new, just like the Chicago bulls did around Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic this summer. Like that, that to me is the pathway for the Celtics get all sorts of flexibility, do it that way. I frankly think, and this is why I go back to the Joe Ingles and a first round pick for Marcus smart move. Because I frankly think they'd probably be, if not the same, maybe even a little bit better with Joe Ingles right now than Marcus Smart. Because I think that they just really need the specific skills that Joe Ingles brings uh, to having like a competent, well-flowing offense. But man, I uh, I think that that's the pathway for the Celtics. They need to kind of clear out everyone around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Not trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I- that just doesn't make any sense to me. Unless, again, I, I think that what happens is you get two really good players and people start to put their own spin on everything. Oh, well, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't get along. I, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. So yeah. uh, it, it will catch me by surprise if that's true. Um, but we heard that about Embiid and Simmons a long, a long time ago, too. And certainly, I guess that has kind of come to head. But I, I don't care. Uh, you've got two of those guys that are really, really impossible to find in the league. You don't give up either one of them because guess what? Look around the league. You know what the Bulls did? They went out and they got a couple of connectors and then they duplicated Zach Levine with DeMar DeRozan, right? They've got an inside out attack with guards now. So uh, smart teams figure it out. Is Boston smart? That's what we're going to find out. Is Boston going to find a way to to put Three guys around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that maximize them. Forget the team stuff. Stop thinking about it as a basketball team. You got to optimize those two guys and then build the team out. You've got the hard things to get. Boston's yet to do that, right? For whatever reason, stubbornness, whatever you want, the offense where everybody tries to touch the ball, but nobody ever gets to the basket or gets to the free throw line, that they're still running. It's frustrating. So there, there are systemic issues there. Part of it is not having good fits around those two guys. Part of it is the way that they do things just isn't very good. So, you know, improve or don't. And then those guys leave as free agents. That This is the beauty of free agency. Yeah, they need to figure out how they can build around. And look, like, I don't mean to absolve Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, right? Like, I oh, think yeah, yeah, yeah. both of them. Be better. Like, well, they could particularly, I think, both of them 
Some of the issues that people say about those two playing together, I think, are real. Uh, they both do tend to stop the ball. Jalen Brown is not an incredible passer in terms of making reads for his teammates. I think Jason Tatum is a pretty good passer, but Jason Tatum has a propensity to hang on to the ball a little bit more uh, and a little bit longer and survey the scene to where it can sometimes stagnate what Boston is doing on offense. And, and that combo together, I think, can be can lead to stagnant offense. But to me, Chicago, again, is showing that with guys that are great connective tissue players like Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, kind of like you're saying, Dave, you can work through having guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, both of whom do like to survey, do like to create their own shot, and both of whom are willing passers, but much better on the scoring front than on the passing front. You can make that work. And I think that, what the Bulls did this summer is the pathway for the Celtics. And I think that if I'm Brad Stevens, who's now running the show, I think there are real pathways to get there. And I think that the pathways get there, to be honest, probably by moving Marcus Smart. I think that that's kind of that's kind of the move for them at this point. Uh, I feel bad saying it because I think Marcus Smart is Mr. Celtic and he kind of stands for everything that uh, that organization has stood for. Over the course of the last, what, seven years that he's been there, it feels like. But I don't know. I'm just at the point where I think that it might be time for a change there. And you can't make the change. You don't keep Marcus Smart to move Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. As much as I like Marcus Smart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is legit. Like, I I just, I don't know. Anybody thinking that that this team should or is going to move Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Now watch him trade Jason Tatum next week, and I look like a real idiot. But I I just don't – I don't see that happening. Okay. Let's go to – let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll move to the Ben Simmons of it all because I think that that is the biggest name on the market that actually could be moved this season. We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June, I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. 
malware trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24 seven game theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back. Ben Simmons is... Look, I think it would be crazy for the 76ers to not move Ben Simmons this season. If only because you don't know how many years you're going to have this level of Joel Embiid. Uh, I... If I am Daryl Morey, I personally could not waste a year of Joel Embiid's prime messing around with this Ben Simmons thing. Now, I think that there are a number of different ways that this could play itself out. And the problem for Daryl Morey is that, say, Damien Lillard comes available uh, after the deadline, after you move Ben Simmons, you're going to be kicking yourself, right? Because, man, that's the guy that they need, to be honest. Like, they just really need Damian Lillard. They need a second star uh, who can play the lead guard position and initiate offense and be a shot creator at the end of games. Uh, and absolutely get blistered on defense because you've got Joel Embiid back there to back you up. It doesn't Absolutely matter. right. So... Yeah. It's complicated. And I've been trying to formulate different moves for the Sixers. And I keep coming back to two of them that I think make sense. So let's start with the Blazers, who lost again last night to the Phoenix Suns. They've lost 9 of 10. Look, Damian Lillard has been very clear that he doesn't want to be moved. And for as long as he says that, like to you both privately and in the public, I think it's a really tough sell to move Damian Lillard, even though I think this roster isn't really going anywhere right now. Would you agree? Uh, Yeah, I think I agree. And I hadn't really thought that way until Mo brought it up on Nerder uh, last week. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah, it's time. I mean, how old is Dame? 31? 31, I believe, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, look, injuries happen all the time, but this is an old man injury. The, the ab uh, injury. Muscular, yeah, yeah man. And, and you have to start thinking, like, if you're, if you're Portland, are we going to win in the next two or three years? Probably not. Probably not. But I also am uh, – I'm of two minds here because I know we're talking trades – but I also am fine if Portland wants to say, hey, no, nah, it doesn't matter. We're cool. Damian Lillard is our guy. He can sink with the ship. You know what I mean? I, it's fine with me. I think it's I think it's tough either way. 
I think that regardless of what this is, and look, this is complicated by the fact that the Portland Trailblazers have an interim general manager right now in Joe Cronin. Uh, Damian Lillard came out last night and said that he feels that Joe Cronin should get the job, right? So that could change things as well. I, I think that in general, this is a very complicated issue. Now, if Portland, Portland needs to sit down and have a conversation with Damian Lillard and say, look, we need you here for three years or we need to move you. Like there's not really an in-between. We, we would be willing to give you this. I mean, should they be willing to give him this max extension that he's eligible for this summer or he'll be making $50 million when he's 36 years old? No, no, he's not that he's not he's not that level of player. I mean, for me, at least. And I mean, this is probably this is actually the first time I've said it on a podcast, but it's also the first time anybody's presented this specific scenario, which is that giant extension. It's like, no, man, I look, I just don't think Damian Lillard can be the best player on a championship team. He's not that dude. He doesn't make the guys around him good enough. That's the difference. Now, could he go maybe win a title with Joel Embiid? Maybe, because Joel Embiid would be the best player on that team. Well, and they'd have two of the 10 best players, or two of the 12, let's say, best players in the league. Right? Two of the 15. Sure. Let's yeah. say. I, I don't know. That's just literally just pulling it off the top of my head. But I I think that they're – I just don't I, – if I was Portland, I would not want to be locked into Damian Lillard for any other reason than the fact that he is – the greatest trailblazer of all time. If you're only thinking about, all right, can we win a title in the next three years with Dame? No, hell no. No, you're not going to, not unless you're getting somebody else in there. And I think we know the answer to that at this point. So if that's the case, I wonder if there is a move to be made here. Now, I, let me throw a scenario at you. If you are Portland, you can move Damian Lillard to the Philadelphia 76ers. You can get Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, God knows how many first round picks, right? Let's say like three or four first round picks, right? And I think Philly probably has to do that at the end of the day. Now, this Wait, is where. What was the deal? If you do. Did you say? Did you say Matisse? Yes. Man, you that's steep. If you are if you are Philly, you are holding out everything at this point for a superstar top fifteen guy within this Ben Simmons deal. Portland is going to be able to take them to the woodshed. I think. Like if they decide to move Damian Lillard, that's know, the, if I was that's Portland. The like if I was Portland, I just or if I was excuse me, if I was Philly, I'd be just trying to convince Ben Simmons to come back and play because I, I would absolutely not tear my monster defense apart for Damian Lillard. I probably I, I just, would, but that's just me. Yeah, well, like, I, I, different sensibilities maybe, yeah. but I also just think uh, I don't know, man. Maybe I just don't think Damian Lillard's all that great. I think he's. Pretty amazing. I'm like, I think he's, I think he's okay. Period. I think he's pretty. I mean, he's good, right? Like he's an all-star level player. I'm not saying that. I just don't think that he is a, I don't think he puts him over the top. 
I, Plain and simple. I think that look, he's going to get roasted so hard defensively that so like, he actually would – and they wouldn't have guys to back him up because if you're getting rid of uh, Matisse, now you don't have maybe the best defensive guard in the league, second, third best defensive guard in the league. I, I just – I don't know, man. Look. I'd rather have Ben Simmons. Maybe. <laughs> if I'm if I'm Philly. If I'm I, Philly. I wouldn't in the playoffs. I'd rather try to make Simmons work. I, I would not in the playoffs because I think we know at well, this point yeah, that you can't win a they're title. not going to guard him. But you, yeah, they're like, not you, guard might, him. you might be able to win a title with Damian Lillard and Joel. If you're, if you you're telling like, me I'll, I can get Lillard for Simmons, oh, I'm all in. If you're telling me I can get him for Simmons, Maxi, and some picks, I'm in. But once you start getting like, all right, now you're taking apart huge parts of, of what's going to make Lillard work, right? Like Matisse Thybul makes Damian Lillard acceptable on defense with, with him and Joel Embiid. So look, that is, I don't, I don't think the Dame is as disastrous on defense as you do. He, he's he's usual, not good. Usual. Like, don't get he's me wrong. Awful. He's not a plus defender, but I don't think he like is going to get, he dies. He dies on every screen, man. He, he just, uh, when he, when he tries on defense, even it's just not great. I, I just, but like I, they still have Philly's going to have to defend. Like they still have your guy to handle this in the biggest moments in Danny Green. Yeah, yeah, no, no. All right, see, this is the thing, and I'm a, I'm the only Danny Green realist. I think Danny Green is not that guy anymore. Danny Green hasn't been that guy for a while, and honestly, even at his peak, Danny Green was never the hey, go shut that guy down guy. No, he he's was. Been hey, a go make that guy. Yeah. Make that guy work. He's the greatest transition defender in NBA history. It's him or Bill Russell, and I didn't see enough Bill Russell. That's a joke. I, I don't know if Danny Green's the best, but he's very, very good at transition. He's very. He's one of the greatest uh, team helpers of the modern era. This is part of why Danny Green has been so good and on so many good defenses. But he was never that guy, and he's definitely not now. Like I don't know that. Like Danny Green isn't the Danny Green that he was two years ago. I mean, he he's, no, he's lost not. a couple of steps. Yeah. So I, I just think that to dismantle your defense, you, I, don't, I don't know, man. I just don't know if Dame is. And I I I know that this defies convention, but that's a guy that did not adjust well, and we can blame it on injury or whatever. But he did not adjust well to not being able to grift. And. So I'm not I don't surprised. think it's that. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that it's the fouling thing. I think it's that he has this abdominal injury and that he needs to like honestly not play for a little while. Uh, and I don't know if he'll, he's willing to do that necessarily. Like I think that it would help him to sit down and continue to be out for a little while. But the problem is that Portland is just so disastrous without him. They, yeah, and now and now CJ's out for a couple couple games. Not not a long time, but yeah, not as long as you would think. Yeah, for but, what I believe was like a pneumothorax, what like yeah, almost like a collapsed col- lung. Collapsed lung, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so let, let's say that Portland falls off a cliff here, and that they have to move, or they decide that a Damian Lillard move is worth it. I think that they're going to be able to take Philadelphia to the woodshed in terms of a deal, right? Probably. Like, I, yeah. I think they'd be able to get whatever they want. So it's Ben Simmons. It's Matisse Thibel, it's Tyrese Maxey, and it's three or four first-round picks, right? What is stopping Philadelphia, or what is stopping Portland, I'm sorry, from then turning and going to Boston and saying, we will move you, we will give Ben Simmons to you. You give us 
three or four first round picks. We match with the Al Horford deal. And then their rebuild is now they have all of their own picks. They have three or four Philadelphia picks. They have three or four Boston picks. They have Matisse Thybulle. They have Tyrese Maxey. Great for Portland. And you can get whatever you can get whatever young guys from Boston that you want as well. Aaron Naismith. You can bring Peyton Pritchard home. Like whatever you want to do. That kind of works for me. That's like that's like eight first round picks. That's Matisse Thybulle. It's Tyrese Maxey for Damian Lillard. I mean, it's great for Portland. I just. And if you're I Boston, I think you do that because Ben Simmons is like the guy that works with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's a great defender. They become maybe the most switchable team in the league. They yeah. don't need him to be the shot creator. Like he can run transition offense. He can do. He can play center. He can play center. He can play the four. Like you can go get a shooting point guard. He fills a lot of holes for them, I think. So, I mean. That's like, yeah. to me, that's like kind of interesting, like across the board for everyone, right? I mean, it's certainly interesting. I mean, I'm very interested if I'm Portland. Um, uh, Boston, great. You don't give up anything and you get an all-star, like a legit all-star. All right, yeah. One of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, all right, cool. I just, man, the Philly thing, and I get it because I understand who Damian Lillard is and and that idea, but I just, I think about the team too much yeah and i just think it i don't know i just think that you so so somehow it's a worse team and and again i'll be proven wrong once they get to the playoffs without damian lillard and tyrese maxi turns into you know a baked potato but i don't know i think i'd rather just see what tyrese maxi could do so that's just me who doesn't have a job on the line if if they (laughs) suck I'll pitch you my second idea just to kind of show like how precipitous I think the drop is in terms of like the quality of player that they could get if they decide not to go Damian Lillard. Right. Cause like, mm-hmm. I don't think that Shea Gilgis Alexander is available. I don't think Jalen Brown's available. I, I don't think they're getting any of these young stars. Like you could convince me. It's that like maybe, CJ, right? Well, I was going to say what I think is a better fit for them than CJ. Oh, oh, okay. Um, I just meant like the caliber yeah. of player so, is around CJ McCollum, right? Yes. So my idea is another three-team deal. It would be you send Ben Simmons to Indiana, who Shams has reported, and everyone has reported that Indiana does have interest in Ben Simmons, right? You move Ben Simmons to Indiana. You then move Gordon Hayward to Philadelphia and then Indiana moves Miles Turner Miles Turner and to Charlotte TJ Warren or Karis LeVert you know plus you get Philadelphia can get picks Charlotte can get picks whatever we need right but now you're kind cooking of, that kind now of fills cooking. a few different that's a great, things because that's a great one yeah. Gordon Hayward makes sense, I think, with this current iteration of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he's a great shooter. He can initiate sets. Um, th- you know, part of the reason that Gordon Hayward signed in Charlotte was that he wanted to be like the guy who takes the last shot, right? Like he wanted to be the um, the guy at the end of games. He can still kind of be that in Philadelphia, just on a better team. Uh, 
like they're still going to run, I think, most of their sets through him. That it allows Philadelphia to keep Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel. Uh, maybe they get some additional assets from Charlotte or from Indiana, you know, depending on, you know, however you want to move the picks. I'm just kind of trying to come up with a framework of a deal as opposed to what the actual deal would be. Because I think that the value is off a little bit on, you know, all three of those sides and that you'd have to fill in the cracks. But the emergence of Miles Bridges and Charlotte's decision to not sign him to an extension means that they're going to have to pay him probably $25 million this offseason per year. And I wonder if they would, I don't want to say they're trying to get off of the Gordon Hayward deal because maybe they're pretty comfortable with it still. But I wonder if maybe they, given the fact that they just signed Ty, or Terry Rozier to an extension as well, they wouldn't mind getting off of the Hayward money in order to potentially make some cap space. You can get the TJ Warren deal. He can be a free agent in the offseason. And then you fill your hole at the center position, which is a bigger need now than the wing, given the fact they have Miles Bridges, they have P.J. Washington. Uh, they desperately need interior defense. I wonder if a Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward kind of deal helps both of those teams, to a, or all three of these teams, to a substantial extent. I have thought extensively about Miles Turner in Charlotte. Yeah. But the guy that I keep coming back to in Charlotte that would be awesome and you could cut out Indiana completely is Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons could go be the center in Charlotte, you would have the greatest, or at least greatest in my mind, most fun basketball team that you could put together. Yeah. Just think about the lineup combinations they can run. And now, yeah, they're going to be small, but Ben Simmons is not small. And I think that you can, good Lord, the idea of that team in transition, I mean, they would just murder in transition. They would. Um, they would. And now you... You wouldn't have – although I do think that Ben Simmons is a good rim protector, he's not a rim protector in the style of Miles Turner. You're not going to funnel a lot of stuff to him. But if you watch the way Charlotte defends anyway because they don't have that guy now, they don't do a lot of that. So it's a lot of rotations is, is Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington rotating over and stuff like that. They use their length. That could be a switchable monster. That team could with – with Ben Simmons as the five. Yeah. Whew, and then you still get your Gordon Hayward move to Philadelphia, and you cut out Indiana. I think I would still rather have just Damian Lillard if I was Philadelphia. Oh, sure. No, no. I, I just thought we were talking about making Charlotte even better. That's the only thing I care about in, in this trade here is Charlotte. Making Charlotte better. So let's, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about well, that more momentarily. Fun. More fun, right? I'm skeptical on the idea of pairing Ben Simmons with LaMelo. I think that the idea of it is great. I think, do we trust that Ben too Simmons much, would... Too much genius. Do we think that Ben Simmons would buy into not having the ball in his hands as much as he'd have to? I th Look, I think so, yeah. I think so. I think LaMelo is that guy. And I look, the vibes in Charlotte are much better than the vibes in Philly have ever been. Ever. The whole time that Ben Simmons has been in the league. The vibes have never really been good there. And I just think that when you have a leader like LaMelo, because he is a leader. You, you watch, yeah. the, just natural leader. No, you watch, as a rookie, he came in there, and those guys were respecting him. And they were the thing about it is, he's fun to play with. And I think he can win you over, even if you want to be resistant to him, which, uh, you see how everyone loves LaMelo Ball now? 
now that we've gotten to know him, you can't resist him. LaMelo Ball is an irresistible force of nature as a personality, I think, and as a player. Mm-hmm. And I think that anybody who comes in there is going to pick up on the vibes and they're going to jump right in. And if not, well, LaMelo is the star, bro. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I... Because, look, need to know if, this who... is the, if this is the issue, then who the hell is going to ever trade for Ben Simmons? If you have to worry, because Ben is not going to... Look, if you're a championship uh, approaching team, like if you're mm-hmm. a, a contender... Ben Simmons is not the best player on your team because he's not going to be the best player on that sort of team. Plain well, and simple. And if he doesn't know that, then his people should let him know that. You're going to have to come in and you're going to be the number two guy at best unless you're, you want to go to Orlando. Uh, I mean, he could, honestly, the Pelicans could probably put together a compelling offer. Well, this is, this is why I bring up Indiana, right? Because I, I think that Indiana could sell itself on not rebuilding. Because I, I think that they that's just an organization that has never wanted to rebuild in the past, right? Yeah. Well, you could you could do like a mini rebuild where you've got I mean, Duarte's what, twenty four? <laughs> uh Ben Simmons is twenty four. I think Sabonis is twenty five. I mean problem yeah. with the but see, here's the thing though. if you're saying skip a rebuild, well you're literally just shuffling deck chairs then. Right? If you're if you're trading out I mean, I, I still I still don't understand why you want to trade out Miles Turner. But if you're well, trading out Miles Turner, I'll say this: if I, if I was doing this, I would, mm, yeah, I, I'd, maybe I'd rather have Miles Turner than Sabonis. Well, I mean, here's the fun thing: maybe you move Sabonis to Charlotte then. Which, by the way, if we're trying to implement fun, no, that Sabonis is a fun killer to me. Really? I, I just yes, he man, he is a uh uh-uh. uh. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Please don't send him to a fun team. I said this on Nerder last week. Send him. I mean, there aren't a lot of teams that aren't a ton of fun because even the bad ones are playing young players, and all the guys that come into the league now are, oh, the Pacers are, just, uh, are not fun a little right bit now, unfortunately. Yeah, the pay, the yeah. Pay, yeah, no joke. What's why aren't yeah. they fun? It's a lot of Sabonis. That's all I'm saying. So I don't think um, that I don't think that like Sabonis is why they aren't fun. I think that they are not fun because the product is like a little bit stale and they don't have yes. <laughs> great guards. Uh, like even Duarte is like a great rookie, but is sure you know not like the most exciting player, right? He's um, fine for a twenty-four-year-old guard, right? No, that's that's a hundred percent right. So like, I I don't think it's Sabonis. I really enjoy watching Demonis Sabonis play. I love the way that he has incredible dexterity and dribble handoffs. I love the way he rolls to the basket. Like I love how smart he is out of mid-post actions. He like, never gets called for an over the back. I mean, that's a hell of a skill. Never yeah, gets called true. for over the back. And, and by it's the way, like if we're talking about moving Sabonis somewhere, Nikias Duncan kind of threw me onto this uh, with a piece that he wrote over at Basketball News. Go check out Nikias's work; he's great. Um, how fun would Sabonis be on the Warriors? <sighs> All sorts of dribble handoff action. Just... It's a good fit with Draymond Green defensively because they're both really smart positionally. You could run all sorts of the weird mid post stuff that they've uh, that they like to implement. Like they obviously have really enjoyed having Bielitsa this year. The Bielitsa thing has kind of fallen off a little bit as the season has progressed, just because Nemanja is not quite good enough. But I wonder if Steve Kerr would be like, "This is another basketball genius that we could make work within our scheme at an exceedingly high level." Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, you're, you're just out on Sabonis. You're a hater. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Sabonis. Like, I just not. You're like, a hater. Period. I not a hater. He's fine. Like, he's not a bum. I don't think he's a bum. I just, uh, you know, just don't. Just keep him in Indiana. Just, just <laughs> hang on to him. Build around Sabonis in Indiana. Let, let's see what that looks like. Oh, because we haven't seen what that looks like. Oh yeah, I just, I, listen, man. I mean, like, if if Sabonis is your fifth starter, I think you're great. I if he's your if fourth he's starter, you're pretty good. Your third starter. If he's in your top, in if he's in your top three, I just, I don't know, man. I just don't get it. And, and in Indiana, he's been their best player or second best player throughout the whole time he's been there. So, you know, I'm not surprised that everybody thinks that they suck. Yeah, look, like I'm not. I, I don't think Sabonis is like a top 25 guy, like some people do. Yeah. Like I'm not there. I'll say that. Okay. But I mean, he's a top 50 guy. Yeah, I'll I'd give have him said that. Top forty, is that, yeah, something like that. Is that right? Top fifty? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I have to think about it. Maybe he's a top <laughs> seventy-five God. guy. Indiana fans are going to just attack and murder you. No, because in... they know. No, because look, the only people watching the Pacers are Indiana fans and me. <laughs> they know. I, look, before the season, everybody was all pumped that they got Rick Carlisle, and I was like, okay, great. Now that they changed the roster at all, no, okay, cool. What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I just, I mean, you know, uh, I haven't even been covering the league that long, and I, I get the rhythms of it. That team was maxed out three years ago. It was maxed out in the bubble. I think that that's, that's the bubble, it maxed yeah. out. The bubble, the bubble was like three years ago. That's actually what I meant was the bubble. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, by the way, the bubble was summer 2020. We are now in December 2021. The bubble yeah. feels like it was... Literally five years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, the last guy I wanted to talk about here was, well, there are two two other things. One of them is Indiana. So let's talk about Indiana. Joe Varden came up with the idea of a Colin Sexton for Karis LeVert deal. Uh, the idea for that was that the Pacers have in the past had passing interest in Sexton. Uh, and Karis LeVert would be a really good fit with this current iteration of the Cavaliers that could use just one more offensive creator, maybe off the bench, maybe in the starting lineup. Not sure like what you would do with him necessarily in those contexts. But part of me doesn't hate it. I think more than anything, what I want is I want Cleveland to go make an aggressive move. I, I, I don't know if it's Karis LeVert necessarily, I think that they can go out and make an aggressive move using the Colin Sexton deal to go get a player that can help them now. Um, man, you and I are just on different wavelengths. This is, might be the first time ever. This is rare. See, I, I want Cleveland to not do anything aggressive. I want Cleveland to be totally fine with where they are, which is pretty damn good. They're, I think they're they've really got good. a good they're shot. A playoff team. Hey, they got a great shot at winning the Central. Okay. If you look at their schedule, they've got an easy schedule, man. And this is a legit dominant defense. I wouldn't change anything. The vibes are immaculate. Just don't mess with it. Just let them be good. They're not going to win a title, and that's fine. You're so far ahead of where you ought to be. Just be good. Look, Kevin Love is back, and this is a great story. And unless he asks to to get traded, they should not try to move him. Ricky Rubio has – I mean, he, he's been he really good. Did what he does, but he did what he does, which is he comes into a situation that's a bit dysfunctional, and what does he do? He like 
I don't know if it's him or him being around or if, if it's just that J.B. Bickerstaff is actually a really great coach, which I also think is true. Yeah. Uh, but just don't break up the team. Just keep them how they are. Look, if, if you can like find something on the margins, that's great. Maybe you, you a buyout guy or something like that. So t- but at me, a certain point, don't we want to don't we want to just see these guys get to play together and, and 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 have joy? Now, and I know again it's a trade podcast, and I'm just pouring water all over the the hot stove. But I don't want to personally don't want them to make a move. But if they do. I need them to think long-term, not just this year, because yeah. Garland and Mobley is now two of, like, that's that's a legit core that is going to do stuff. Like, yeah. in three years, this is maybe like a conference finalist, finals team, right? Like, yeah. they're on that sort of trajectory. Um, I just don't want to mess that up, because you know the guy that they could really use right now that they don't have is Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton fits what they do perfectly. And I know we only got to see eight games of it, but he improved as a playmaker this year. His defense was better. And I just think that if I were them, I I know people are low on Colin Sexton, but Colin I like Sexton, Colin. like I'm, I'm, a, I'm higher on Colin than most, but I'd rather have him than Karis LeVert because you know, this knee thing from Colin Sexton aside, I do think that you got to start, you got to worry about LeVert's health. It's a constant issue, and I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that there's something to sticking with the guys you've got to a certain degree and, and the continuity that comes with that. I think it matters. Well, to me, the reason that I think you move Colin Sexton now, if a deal comes along, is I don't want to pay Colin Sexton this summer because so, someone's going to give him four seventeen a year. Mm-hmm. something like that. Like, I don't think that it'll be like a wild number. Like, I don't think he's going to get maxed. So but I think someone, why wouldn't they pay? Why wouldn't they match that though? 417. Yeah. For that. It's I don't longer, know, man. That's I, I wouldn't want the longer term deal though. I don't think like, I, I think that it's a risky deal. Cause he might not be worth that. Like I'm, I'm going to be like, I like Colin a lot. He might, be a bench scorer he's pretty okay but he's produced at that level though like, this is the thing he like has. and no, i know I, that there's a it's I different because totally he was on a bad team but the shooting numbers are there i think that the the playmaking is is tricky right like it's hard to judge um but you, but you know I, what I, just, though? I don't know man this is this is one of those things where i was watching the auburn uh nebraska game over the weekend and charles barkley was in the stands and they had him come on to uh, to the broadcast and talk for a while. And one of the things he brought up was the idea that anyone can be a scorer on a bad team, right? Mm-hmm. A- anyone can go get points on a bad team and make themselves look good. A- any player that has like real high level talent. And we've never really seen Colin over the long term be a positive piece on a winner. Now, he's gotten points efficiently on a bad team and done it at volume, which is commendable and which is why I think he's often underrated because it is hard to do that. Harder to do that than what I think some people will say. But I don't know if he can be a great player on a good team. And they've quickly changed into being a good team. Like I know. I know. I, I wouldn't it's, want to sign him to a four-year deal if I was them. And That's this what I'm is saying. not... Like and that. I'm with you. Like 
this wasn't a decision I think that they knew they were going to have to make. By right. Way. No, totally. I, I agree with that totally. Like, yeah. this is now a hard for, choice for, for them. And for multiple reasons, by the way. Like, so not signing him during this past offseason was another chance to get it. Hey, let's, let's take a look at him some more. Yeah. And especially now that because Darius Garland had started to come around. Okay, how is right. the fit here going to really be? They they may not have known what they had in Mobley, although I, I don't know, man. They've got something there, like for real. And so, yeah. you know, it stinks to, to be, for them to be in, the, in this position. I just tend to take a little bit more of a conservative approach on this because I do think Colin Sexton is a good player. And I, I mean, 417 for a guy that can – can score, but it, it hey, might he can legit score twenty. Okay, like it, and it, and you might be right. You might like be it, right. It might be more than that. Like it might be. But for, who's coming with that money? Who's coming with that money? Yeah, that, that's what I'm struggling with. Is like, who is the team that's going to give Colin a bunch of money? Part of the problem is that cap space is a figment of our imagination now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> like uh, any team could sign and trade for Colin Sexton, right? Yeah. So who knows? Now the thing is that if it's See, a, it could could Detroit do it and pair him with Cade Cunningham? Maybe I mean because they have real cap know, space this summer, and they've got I mean Cade is a real defender, yeah, and you know Colin Sexton is a theoretical one at this point. I, I'm uh, as far as being an average defender, he's a high theoretical effort player, high effort, right? You, and coachable, right? Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't hate that at all. Like, I, I would much rather see a team, I guess, it, you know, Indy just assuming they're going full rebuild, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're going to be trying to get in the draft in the next couple of years. Um, and I just think with a guy like Colin Sexton, it would be better to be in a place that's going to be ready fast because I think Colin Sexton is ready to start playing real games. Yeah. And Detroit, because of Cade, and, and I think he's going to be ready fast. That I think could he's going to be fit. ready fast. I worry about the roster. I think they're pretty yeah. far away. Especially, well, but if you get Colin Sexton, that's a little bit of a that's that pushes you in the right direction. And now maybe you can go get guys, but uh, it's Detroit. It does. I, it I pushes think, you in the right direction if they keep Jeremy Grant, which it seems yeah, right is questionable. And that is the last guy that like I really wanted to bring up was Jeremy Grant because to me, look, other than Ben Simmons, he's probably the biggest name that seems legitimately to be out on the market. It's him or it's one of the Indiana guys, right? Um, I don't really want to talk about Kyrie and Russell Westbrook because it seems like that stuff is a bit more speculative right now. Who's trading for Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I'm a little bit skeptical on that front as well. I'm not entirely sure who would do that. Um, On that money, it's a weird, that's a weird one to me. But OKC, okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll trade you. I don't know nothing. Yeah, I, bring I, him I home. I don't, I, I don't know what the move would be there. But <laughs> Jeremy Grant, I think, is a legitimate asset that'll be worth like multiple first round picks. Now, what I'm trying to figure out is who would make that move because a couple people I've seen have brought up Philadelphia. And I think that like Keith Pompey uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer reported that Jeremy Grant is one of the guys that's on Philadelphia's list as a Ben Simmons player, right? The problem is I don't want to put Ben Simmons with Kate Cunningham. <laughs> like that does not feel like a great fit to me longer term. You, you think in personality or on the court? On the court. 
I don't okay. want I don't want Cade to have to share the ball with anyone, basically. Um, okay. I think he's like a singular talent who should have the ball in his hands like the whole game. Much in the okay. vein of like a Trey Young, something like Luca. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um he'll make good decisions. He he will make ball reversals and thus will have a lower usage rate than those guys because he's just like an unselfish personality. Mm-hmm. But I want him being the guy that brings the ball up the court every time, basically, and then makes a decision. So I, I don't love the Ben Simmons move at this point in Cade's development, maybe, let's say. Okay. So I, I don't know if I like that move. Maybe you could find a third team. I don't know. Mm, who is the team? I don't know. I don't know. For Jeremy Grant, like you could, you can come up with a lot of different ideas. Like, I think that like Dallas is interesting, but I don't know what Dallas would give. Do you want some other, I mean, do you want more bad players? Right? Like that's the teams that can really until like a while away. So the teams that can actually trade, you know, or would actually trade for Jeremy Grant, they just don't have anything. Like, like you mentioned, cap space is theoretical, and so are assets for contenders. Right. The only contender I could think of, well, let's see, the Warriors have assets? Yes. Is that it? Pretty uh, much? Warriors have assets. Because everyone else has made a big trade. Everyone else has cashed in. Well, maybe Phoenix has some assets. I was going to say Phoenix cause... has all of their picks, I yeah. believe. Uh... Yeah. And they have players, right? Like, I mean, you could get – if you're Phoenix and you really wanted to get in on something, like you've got yeah. guys that teams are interested in. I, I just don't think Phoenix – you know, they have a perfect roster. So they don't really need much. Uh, but I, I just don't think that there's a lot of teams out there that should necessarily even be kicking the tires on Jeremy Grant because they can't, they just don't have anything to offer. And, the- and now maybe, maybe it's just, you know, they just want to get out of that salary. But I, Do you know I the know. deal that worries me the most that – like I, I have concerns about is Troy Weaver played a significant role in drafting Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma city. And I would have concerns that Detroit and look, this comes from nothing. This is just me hoping this yeah. does not happen. This is me hoping this does not happen. It's me connecting dots. I would hope that Troy Weaver does not decide Hey, let's do like a Jeremy Grant for Russell Westbrook and like a first or something like that. Basketball. Jeremy Grant helps the Lakers a lot, actually. If if Russell Westbrook if Russell Westbrook gets traded for for anything that isn't a ham sandwich, uh, we're gonna we're gonna boycott the league. We're we're gonna make such a stink. Um, I just don't see how like. That Russell look, Westbrook the only deal reason I bring up Russ feels is, untradeable. The only reason I bring up Russ is because Jake Fisher in Bleacher Report reported mm-hmm. that the Lakers have held internal discussions sure. on if they should move Russell Westbrook or not. Because well, right, they have not worked as well as what they were hoping. Well, and they just don't have other contracts that really can be traded. That's the other thing. Right. Signed a lot of one-year deals. Uh, the uh, minimums, and, and I mean, it's like, okay, well, who's this guy with the big number? Well, we might be able to trade him, but yeah, he's like, not good. I believe they can't move Taylor Horton Tucker until January fifteenth, uh, mm-hmm. because of because he was an extension, uh, re-signing. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They can move Kendrick Nunn now, but Kendrick Nunn's deal is only five million dollars. 
I, I, I look, I, I only bring this up. I don't really want to talk about Russ because I don't think they're going to move yeah. him. Yeah. But that that's my like main concern is that Detroit hopefully does not make that move. Because again, I want Cade Cunningham to have the ball in his hands, period, point blank. Right? Yeah. Um, that that's what I would like to see. But we uh But also it's funnier if the Lakers are stuck playing Russell Westbrook. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, like from an experimental <laughs> perspective, I'm curious. Like I, I want to see what they do in the playoffs when the game slows down to the half court. And they have to figure out how to make it work. Um, I had Jovan Bua on the podcast last week. And Jovan kind of brought up some different things that the Lakers tried to do over the course of uh, Russ's short tenure there so far. Please go listen to that show. But I- I'm I'm intrigued by the Lakers having to experiment a little bit. Uh, I'm intrigued by that idea. I just don't know that it's great. Right. Like it's uh, to waste or not waste, but like to make LeBron's final years an experiment as opposed to just like a, hey, this is an easy like contention window for the Lakers. Right. Sure. Um, that That's what I would prefer. But I'm also a little bit intrigued by the experimentation. Uh, yeah, it, it's the, the Jeremy Grant thing is fascinating because I. I I would not really want him if I was Boston, you know, some of the teams we've talked about so far. Cause again, like another guy who's not a great passer, I, I would not want that. Um, Miami just doesn't really have like the assets to move unless they move Duncan Robinson for him. Uh, and again, I think that would have to be later in this later in the season. Um, yeah, no, like it, it's hard to find the contender that needs Jeremy Grant. I think. I tend to agree with that. Uh, not that there's a better version available, but just most of the contenders have a better guy on their team. Yeah, and it's just like hard to make the salary matching totally work. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's kind of because it's kind of this weird like middle class contract. Yeah, and there's like just weird, not that many. It's a weird number. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Cleveland. I guess you could again bring up here, like maybe Cleveland would be interesting. Now that's now that's again back to your maybe Sexton to Detroit. Like that's more interesting to me. It yeah. Is, like, would be that. Cause yeah. Jeremy Grant as their three. Is that would actually really super help them. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And also allows you a little bit of that. A insurance because a winds up having to guard a lot of guys that are a little bit bigger than him. And yeah. when his offense isn't great. Um, and, and you know, I, I just, the marketing deal is really like sort of looming large in my head when I think about Cleveland. Um, it's the only big miss I can think of that they've made in the last couple. He, you seasons. know what though? He's been but he's good. been good, right? He's, he's been, been good. good. I, I can't. Say I just it's keep a miss. waiting he's for the. Good. I just keep waiting for the shoe to drop, right? And and maybe that's that's more of a an indictment of myself than it is Lowry marketing or what the Cavs are doing because right as of a quarter of the way through the season. He's been pretty good. Yep. I mean, even guarding threes on the wing, like, I've been impressed. And it makes me think, to a certain degree, it's sort of like Kyle Kuzma. You remember where it was like, all right, well, Kuzma, you're 6'10", you're a little skinny, you're going to be a small ball five, stretch four. And it turns out, no, man, he's a wing. you got to have him guarding wings. And then, next thing you know, he's an above-average defender because he uses his length. And maybe Lowry's another guy that's like that. Now, we need to see more. 
But I have been impressed uh, with with Lowry so far. But I don't hate Jeremy Grant in Cleveland. What about Memphis? Memphis is interesting, too. I don't know what Memphis would be willing to give up. Maybe like the Kyle Anderson deal. And then I think they have a couple of extra first round picks. So like maybe it's like Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones for Jeremy Grant plus two firsts. I just don't. I think Memphis is too good. Right now, so Memphis is too good to make a trade. Everybody's playing too well. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't know that I'm like a huge fan of fast tracking that, but maybe Jeremy Grant right. is the kind well, of guy see, where it is interesting for them, though. See now th- that, that I think about it. Your your lack of interest in fast tracking Memphis is the same, and I feel the same way about them too. But that's exactly yeah. how I feel about Cleveland. Right? Yeah, I, get I that. look the similarities are striking, man. You've got Darius Garland as sort of like John Morant with a three pointer. You've got Evan Mobley as like this proto Jaron Jackson who actually might be a lot better even now. Uh and now you've got you're you know, you're getting some other young players. They don't Bunch have of the good stash vets. of Yeah. Yeah, they don't have the stash of young guys that, that Memphis does, but they also you know, they had a bare cupboard after LeBron left, so they've rebuilt from zero in a couple of seasons to now have a good team. It's pretty, I'm very impressed. I actually think that, you know, sneakily, they've been a very good front office for a few years now. Cleveland or Memphis? We're, yeah. Cleveland. Well, Memphis, yes, we know. Yeah. Because they Cle- just draft good players. Cleveland. But Memphis and yeah. Cleveland has, has really come a long way. And so I don't want to see them fast track it either because I do think that what they are building – Similar to Memphis is going to be sustainable. Like this is, this is how you build a team that's good for a really long time. Like Evan Mobley might be their Tim Duncan. The same way I thought Jaron Jackson could be the Tim Duncan for for Memphis. Like, hey, this is a guy yeah. who might be a Hall of Fame level talent that you get to build around. And oh wait, we got John Morant. Oh, maybe he's your Tim Duncan. You know, like this is if you especially getting them at nineteen years old. Yeah. And for them, to, and Mobley has come in. I think more effective than Jaron because he didn't have the foul issues that Jaron, I mean, Jaron's fouling just really plagued him. Um, But Mobley has come in as one of the more effective rookies I can remember. And I agree. I haven't been covering the league that long, but so effective, such a high level. And you see where the ceiling is going to go because there's stuff that he's adding to his game already. So, you know, I just generally would like to see everyone just kind of like, okay, let's just ride this out. We're already good. We're gonna. We got a, a potential future MVP. I mean, I'm really very high on Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley is really good. He's re- like, yeah, I, like I don't. A, I don't think he's a future. I think it's unlikely he's a future MVP. But I would not take it off the table. Like, I mean, he's, it, he's one of. He doesn't handle the ball enough, but one of we'll like see. you know the very few guys in the league that I think you can't take it off the table with. It's unlikely yeah. that he's going to win MVP because only one guy wins MVP every year. Right? <laughs> every year. Right. But you can't take it off the table, which is saying yeah. a lot. Uh, the the last guy that I want to bring up here is a guy that both Shams and Jake Fisher have reported is available. And that's Cam Reddish. Uh, the Hawks are apparently interested in a first round pick for Cam Reddish. If I was a team like Houston and I had a first, like I have the Miami first round pick in the twenties this year, I, I would be calling it. What like, about Utah? What about Utah? Utah is interesting. Sure. Like as right. a big U- wing Utah, defender. Yeah. They, they've they needed that guy forever and you can get Cam Reddish. Oof. 
Yes. I think Utah Cam should be in on it. Upside. Like I'm, I think every no, I think every every damn team in the league should be calling. Uh, Milwaukee should call. I, I just Cam Reddish is good, and he's gonna get better. Yeah, plain and simple. Look, in Portland, part of the reason yeah. that Atlanta is doing this is because they're going to have a future salary cap crunch. Right. They got too many guys. And DeAndre Hunter going down is a great chance for them to kind of get a look at at this, you know, consolidated roster a little bit. They made the decision on Herter, right? So you knew one of Hunter or Reddish were likely out. Right. And I actually think moving early is smarter on their part because not only have you made it it signals that you've made a decision, but you're gonna get more value for Cam Reddish. And I mean, look, man, I, I'm telling you, if, if you look at what Phoenix has done by just getting as many of these wing guys that can do stuff as possible, the Warriors, I mean, the dribble, pass, and shoot guys who can also defend. Now, some of this is theoretical for Cam, but we know he can defend. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'd be throwing a lot. I love Cam Reddish, though. I'm a big yeah, Cam Reddish. Look, fan. if it's a first round pick and that's the price, and you are going to have to pay Cam Reddish this summer, I'm. I'm comfortable with that. Like I'm comfortable giving him a deal and I am comfortable uh, giving up a first round pick for him. Like that's, that's what the the reporting has been consistent in both the Jake Fisher reporting and the Shams reporting saying that Atlanta is looking for a first round pick for Cam Reddish. I mean, look, obviously I think they're going to try and get the best first round pick they can. Of course. Uh, But yeah, like a, a team, I would do that. I would pretty easily do that. Could I think Detroit that, get him? <laughs> could Detroit get him? Detroit Honestly, can't move first know, round picks. Cleveland they, now. Cleveland would be a fantastic landing spot for Cam Reddish. He would line up perfectly with their timeline, yeah, he and he would solve a lot of problems. So let's get on the phone and make that deal happen. Cleveland right? would be let's, interesting. Cleveland would just, be interesting. Uh, Cam Reddish. Make Atlanta give Cam Reddish to Cleveland because Cleveland's not allowed to make any trades. <laughs> Love it. I, I don't know what they would move, but I, I, I mean, you know, I, Cleveland can't give up their own first. I don't think that they're there yet, right? Like you, you need to make sure that you're actually this good. Um, but they've got picks, man. I, I, Cleveland should call about Cam Reddish. I, I like this. That's not a bad idea either. I like that one. Uh, yeah. It was not a bad idea to have Dave Dufour on this podcast, folks. Dave, Always tell the people where idea. they can find you. Uh, everything I do is at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash game theory now. Sign up. What's the deal, Sam? Uh, probably 50% off right now. I think it's, it's holiday the end. season, right? We're, we're closing great in on Great gift. That. It's a great gift yeah. for Christmas. Or it is for a great any gift holiday. For Christmas. Or because it's Wednesday. Or because it's Wednesday. I think that that's... And your thing. mom loves this show. This is what I've been telling everybody on the pods. Your mom loves to hear this show. Oh, Buy I'm your sure. mom a subscription to The Athletic. Look, we talked about baking for like eight minutes at the top of this show. Hey, I've got a poolish, okay, setting up that I, I'm going to try to whip up some dough. Love it. I mean, that's, I, that's you don't get this sort of coverage on any other podcast. It's baking <laughs> and basketball. Go listen to the Nerd or She Wrote podcast over on the Athletic NBA show feed. You're going to get Dave DeFore. You're going to get Seth Partnow. You're going to get Mo DeKeel. Uh, hard to imagine a better trio than that group. I will be back on Friday. Today is Wednesday in the United States. I'll be back on Friday with uh, Matthew Penny, uh, attorney of basketball law. 
Penny is going to be here. We're going to talk about prospects. We'll have prospect of the week. We'll have mailbag questions. We'll have anything that you're looking for. But until next time, folks, we will talk soon. Bye.